You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time: the roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Coming up on today's episode, we recap the Jets' tight loss against the Islanders. Plus, we've got one week to go before the NHL trade deadline. Hello, everybody. Recording live from somewhere. What's good and welcome to another episode of Skates and Plates on the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brandon Rewicki. You can follow me on Twitter at Brandon underscore Rewicki or the podcast at Skates Plates Pod. All right, Tyson, there, there was a few. It, it's tough for me to define or to maybe figure out what was the saddest thing I watched um, the past few days. And that would be whether it was the Winnipeg Jets once again dropping another one on the road, going one and three on their road trip, with the only win being a 50 safe, <laughs> masterful performance from Connor Hellebuck. I don't know if it was that or the trailer for The Whale that I saw on Amazon Prime. I like to watch all the Oscar nominated movies this time of year. I I guess people don't really know our mom. Uh, I, I I pulled a mom. I couldn't make it through the trailer. It's the saddest thing I've ever seen in my life. I like I like Brendan Fraser better in George of the Jungle. I I do too. I do too. And the Mummy, the, the entire I like that Brendan Fraser more than the critically acclaimed serious actor. Wow, that was I I don't know if anybody's watched it yet. I don't. I don't know if I can do it. I don't think I'm like emotionally prepared to to go through that. But it got I, me I, thinking. It got me thinking with how I mean, with how sad the Jets have been lately. With how sad that was, and how sad the movie's probably going to be. What What is the saddest movie or movie scene that you've ever seen? I don't want to do like saddest in history and like you know go back to like all the but like was there something that just like. It just punched you right in the gut, and you just had nothing left. Um, I'm trying to think. Like one movie stand, but it's not really like a sad. Like you know, like you kind of feel like it's it brings on tears, but they're not really sad tears. And that was that Homeward Bound. Although, oh, that totally counts. Yeah. Well, so, but I guess like that. That's a that one's a pretty wild. Like that's a roller coaster, right? Yeah. Like with, with what, what, oh man, I can't believe I forget his shadow, right? Yeah. Like in the, in the pit, he's, he's too old. He's too <laughs> old. And then you hear Peter, 
Yeah, that's a good one. I didn't now see I, I for mine, I had to like exclude dog movies. Cuz yeah. I don't think dog movies count. Like that like I will never watch Marley and Me. There's absolutely no need for like I don't need to go through that. So like I don't I don't count dog movies. Do you have do you have any human-based movies that that or scenes that that uh a little tearjerker for you or is it just Homeward Bound when you were like 10? <laughs> um I, man i'm struggling with one i i'm trying to think i i mean coco kind of pulled at the heartstrings too but that's an animated one so oh no 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 i have i have like basically just pixar written down oh yeah pixar and, uh, is completely I'll, unfair and I'll, 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 I'll tell you guys i'll tell a quick i'll tell a quick coco story for <laughs> for for the listeners um coco by the way pixar movie if you haven't heard about it essentially um uh, about a Mexican family, young boy travels to the land of the dead, meets his ancestors. Um, it, it was my daughter's favorite movie for like a year. And we put it on at, at the cabin to kind of just, you know, give everybody about an hour and a half of peace and quiet. And Tyson here, my old man, just said, yeah, we'll just watch it in the background. And it rocked them. They, they, they were pretty they were pretty rattled by the end of it and uh, I think I think I think our old man said best movie ever best movie ever um, yeah, I, yeah I, I have Coco Encanto um Encanto got me especially because I hated the old lady the whole movie and then at the end she totally redeems herself um some of mine um the last samurai which is a favorite movie of mine that's that yeah that that one's it's that's like the beautiful it's just so beautiful at the yeah that I'll, anything last samurai i'm like 100 percent in ken watanabe's a legend um endgame for any marvel fans out there the end of endgame like if you've been invested yeah, that yeah you, you're pretty much a monster if you don't cry at the end of endgame um the adam project it was just interesting because it's like an action movie maybe one of the saddest scenes in any movie i've ever seen and it's it's near the end of the movie, so that that if you haven't seen it, it's a pretty good movie. But oh man, if you have if you have kids or anything like that, it's gonna just kick the living crap out of you. And then the final one that I have, did, have you ever seen Click? <coughs> Sorry, excuse me. Uh, yeah, yeah, I have seen. We watched it at the at the old drive-in theater. Remember? Oh yeah, that's that was like right. Little... <laughs> that movie sucks. It, I thought it was Adam Sandler, Christopher Walken. I'm like this is this is going to be absolutely hilarious. It's like an existential crisis movie, and then the scene at the like, yeah. oh, oh, click. Yeah, I don't, know. I don't think I need to watch Click ever again. That 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 was a pretty rough one for me. So Christopher Walken's the the weird Bed Bath and Beyond guru. He, he was not. By the way, he was not like acting in that movie. They just like found him in Bed Bath and Beyond. <laughs> just like well, let's just let's roll with it let's see where this goes uh but i'd love to know your saddest movie scenes by the way if you want to share some of those with us it's okay to cry um let, let's try to keep it human related because any any dog movie it's just that's too much i, I can't like homeward bound homeward bound was a good one marley and me even old yeller even though it's kind of a weird ending but whatever no 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 dog movies allowed <laughs> um other than that though Sadness is probably what a lot of Jets fans are feeling right now. Sadness or immense anger, rage, and frustration. It's There's not a lot of positivity around Jets Nation right now, Tyson. And I don't necessarily blame them after yet another loss. And it's an interesting game as well. I mean, the road trip itself as a whole 
played out in in pretty intriguing fashion, right? Because you have, I mean, you lose to Columbus, arguably the worst team in the NHL, but you outshoot them, right? But but you, you, whatever, it almost doesn't matter. You lose to Columbus, you start off strong against the Devils, but then fade late in that one, drop drop uh, two points to the, the to the New Jersey Devils. You play probably your worst game of the road trip, and then get two points because Connor Hellebuck is a goaltending god. And then you have this one against the Islanders, where again they didn't play awful or anything like that, but we're seeing the issues that have plagued this team, albeit you know not all season long in in spurts and and bits here and there in the early goings, but specifically in the last 14, 15 games, we saw those issues creep up once again, biting the Jets in the ass. And it cost them in the point standings. It cost them in the win-loss standings. And they finished the road trip, you know, quite frankly, for them, you know, one and three is a pretty good mark for the Jets on their four-game swing through the Eastern Conference. There's a few things that stood out to me in this one, Tice. Uh, and before I throw it over to you, I'll, I'll, I'll just say this. I hope, I hope the road trip as a whole but maybe even specifically the Islanders game is just a major, major wake-up call for this team. Just a splash of cold water right in their face. And I hope they realize that they're not good enough to get away with anything less than 100%. To me, there's two major issues that are plaguing this team right now. One could be corrected in-house, the other one would have to be externally, and we'll get to that in just a sec. But to me, we're seeing a major lack of focus, a major lack of sharpness, a major lack of attention to detail by the Winnipeg Jets on the little things. They were crushing those in the first half of the season. And now we're seeing for what, and I don't know what it is. I don't know if. I don't know if, you know, being close to the top of the West, they kicked their feet back a little bit and said, hey, you know, we're we're reading the newspaper clippings. We're reading, you know, the, the tweets and everything, and we're a pretty damn good team, and we can maybe go at this 80% the rest of the way and be all right. I, I don't know if it's that. I don't know if they're waiting for a trade. I don't know what it is. But it just seems to me like they are making so many elementary, simple mistakes that cost this team in key moments, and that's why they're losing more games than they've won as of late. I mean, puck management has been horrific, ju just awful. And it's not a skill or a talent issue at times. It's just quite simply a use your brain a little bit and just make the right play, right? Like don't, don't, don't try to force something that isn't there. Make the right simple play and away we go. That That's one issue that this team seemingly continues to bite themselves time and time again inside the defensive zone. We're seeing them run around a little more than we're used to right now. And then even offensively, I, I, I just I think they're trying to make things a little too complicated on themselves. And we're not seeing the directness that we saw early on in the season. That to me right now is one of the major issues plaguing Winnipeg is just can we focus and get the little things done right? And if we do that, maybe then we'll be just fine. But as of late, it's been at the top of the lineup and it's been at the bottom of the lineup. Doesn't matter who it is right now player, coaching staff, whatever, not good enough. It's not going to work against the East, and it's not going to work against the best in the West. Yeah, and I think that's – you hit it right on the head right there, and I think that's something that we need to keep an eye on as this season progresses is that 
this has become a recurring theme with this kind of core that the Jets have had. We've seen it last year. Even it's so hard to remember the beginning of last season, but the Jets started off pretty good last season. It was kind of like that same, the ball started rolling, everything was going good, and then we lose that focus. And then now you start to think, well, we're on our second coach. For a lot of these guys, it's almost really their third coach because Claude Noel, I mean, not too much left over from that kind of tenure. It's it's kind of crazy just thinking about how long ago Claude Noel was, but uh, side note. But it's kind of a bit concerning just seeing the same things plague this team season after season. And you start to wonder, well, what, why is this happening? What's the problem here? Is this something that, and we talked about that this team seems to have a better leadership group this year, not more so better because it's the same players, but a more united leadership group with Lowry and Morrissey kind of coming in and stepping up there in that regard. I don't know. It's just, it's tough to see. And you watch guys like, and just to pick one guy out there, you look at guys like Mark Shifley, we talked about him and just seeing seeing him live at some of those games earlier this season, man, like it was an absolute dynamic, dominant physical force out there. Like he was beating everyone to puck battles. He was out muscling guys. He was taking guys off the puck in the defensive zone. And then as the season starts to go on, you see that kind of intensity dip down as the season goes on. And it's just why, right? Like that, you want- that's, what it, that's what it is right there. That's I, I think that to me is the word is that they are, there is nowhere near the same level of intensity that they had early on in the season. Right. And, and this is where the games get harder too, right? Like, I mean, never mind the playoffs, but with about 25-ish or so games left for most teams right now, like this is major, major go time. And they are playing like it's October. They're not playing, like, right? Like, and, and I think that to me is what separated them in these past 13, 14 games, as opposed to what we saw earlier on in the season. I don't want to necessarily say, you know, they're not working hard enough. I don't, I don't, like, that That can always be misconstrued, I think, because there, there's a lot more that goes into it than just, they're not, you know, they're not skating enough. But it's attention to detail, it's physicality, it's all those little things that kind of add up there. And they're just not as sharp as they had been in the first half of the year. Yeah, and, and even you said, they're not, it's not that they're not working hard enough, but, it's just these other teams now are working harder than them. And at the beginning of the season, that just wasn't happening. I mean, this past game against the Islanders, the Islanders are always going to be a tough team to play against. Like we've known that the past couple seasons, but you look at that forward group that they were dishing out last night, like, Oh my gosh. <laughs> I know they're missing five of their regular forwards, but Matt Martin on the top line. I don't, I didn't know like four of their bottom sixers in that, in that game. And to me, that's coming off those past three games. It's kind of an inexcusable effort to go out there and just kind of lay a dud and hope that Hellebuck can bail you out again of a game. And it's just not going to work against teams once we get into the playoffs. Like, that's why it worries me. I don't know if this team needs just a jolt from, like you said, externally and kind of get the juices going get like, okay, now we're, we're kind of getting to that playoff push. Now we got that extra ammo. Let's kind of put our foot on the gas here and end the season off. Right. Like, I, I don't know what the solution is right now because it is becoming a, a recurring theme. Yeah, and I think the the game-winning goal perfectly exemplified all that. Where, you know, interestingly enough, it actually starts out pretty well for the Jets. Dylan DeMello, who isn't really a, this isn't a huge part of his game, just lays the wood to that Lindstrom guy in the corner. Like, he plays the body super hard. The Jets outman the Islanders there. They have the puck. <laughs> that situation... That, there shouldn't be a goal anywhere near the New York Islanders' minds at that point. Yet five seconds later, the puck ends up at the back of your net. And it's a Kyle Connor pass that doesn't need to be made. 
it's a bad one to a guy that's not ready for it. And then a turnover, two guys run into each other, and then it's a shot from the slot area that beats Connor Hellebuck. That, and, that and, right there, it's the little things right there. You that, that play should have been so, so you know, correctable, so reversible. Yet these are the plays that are killing this team. It, it's not outside of the Rangers game. It's not you know, forty-five minutes of absolute domination against Winnipeg. It's just these brain farts that should. That's what makes it so frustrating to watch, watch as a fan. Yeah, and on that goal, too, it's like there's three guys. There's three forwards there, and it's just no one has that urgency to go at the guy with the puck and the high-danger scoring opportunity. Like, it's just – and and it's not even puck-watching because the guy's with the puck. No one's watching him. So it's just I, – I don't know how that devolves so far, and especially late in the game when it's a tie game and it's been just kind of just a gritty, nitty-gritty game and – not getting anything going. And then all of a sudden it's just letting a guy just walk right out and rip one on Hellebuck. Like I just, to me, I just don't understand. Like it's just so many easy things, but it's just piling up, piling up, piling up. And it seems like it just starts to snowball on this team. And just, it's hard to stop the snowball once it gets going. That is true. Avalanches, <laughs> I believe is what they're called. Avalanche eye. So they, they, they got to figure it out here. Like it's, it's, it's that simple. I thought the all-star break would be the wake-up call and the rest and everything that they needed to get back into it, but apparently that wasn't enough for them. But it's on them, all right? Like, I mean, you could blame the coach all you want. I don't know how many more coaches this team needs to get it drilled into them, right? Like, you've got to pick it up here. The level the level right now is chest high. It's got to be right at the top of the head, and, and, and it's got to happen soon here. And, hey, hopefully – Maybe maybe Colorado coming to town Friday night is is the, the wake up call that they need. You get a big result against the Avs, maybe that's the the result they need to help turn this around and and do so quickly here, um, because what's working right now isn't going to be good enough. And I mean, I'll, I'll tell you what, Tice, first in the West, that that's going to be a pipe dream. It, it might be what wild card spot are we are we trying to lock up here as as we get to the end of the season here if the Jets continue to play as poorly as they have over this last stretch of games. Now, that, so that's one thing that, you know, stood out to me and kind of bothered me from the game. The second thing, and I mean, I don't think this is much of a surprise to anybody whatsoever out there because of what we talked about with the big day in the NHL, now essentially seven days away here. But the other thing that stood out to me in the game, Tyson, in a big way was just this, this team needs some major help from their GM. Like they need the players to step up, but man, oh man, do they need the GM to step up in a big way too. They just do not have the horses to get it done. I think, look, the top six hasn't been lighting the world on fire, but skill guys, elite, like, you know, top six guys, high-end guys in the NHL, they'll go through these ebbs and flows and they might not be able to perform and produce night in, night out all of the time. But you need your bottom six to do freaking anything. Like anything. The Islanders bottom six was to AHL guys. And they outscored the Jets bottom six. And they get the, the winning goal on the night. Right? Like th- this is this is something that they've been screaming about in terms of getting some help here for, for, for weeks, for probably months. Something I was talking about before the season even got started. Uh, they, they, they need some help from their GM here. And, and it needs to get done in a, in a, in a big way. And it's not just one piece. You know, it's not just a Timo Meyer or a Jacob Chikrin or whoever else you want to throw out there. There, there's a there's a few different holes they got to plug and they got to figure out here because 
when you have a guy like Connor Hellebuck who's playing at the top of his game, a guy who Travis Yost called one of the best goalies of the last 20 to 30 years, you have Josh Morrissey putting up a Norris campaign right now and then a ton of skilled guys up front. It would be a major shame if they don't go out there and they, they don't make a couple of moves. And it's, again, not one move, but it's got to be a couple of moves. That was made very clear with how poorly certain areas of this roster have been performing lately. Yeah, and you you mentioned the bottom six, and I I think I might make a lot of Jets fans angry with this uh, with this take, but I think Adam Lowry's playing too much. I think he's – I honestly think he's playing too much, and it's just – I love his game. Like I'm a huge Adam Lowry fan. I love the, I love having a guy like that in the lineup, but he doesn't bring the offense to the table for this Jets team. And when the bottom, when the top six isn't going, you need that kind of third line center that can maybe carry it, the offense for a game or two, game two, three games, where that line can kind of stand out and really help the top six get through that those slumps. And I think that Adam Lowry, he's he's a great fourth line center in my opinion. Like and that's no knock on him. That's, I'm not saying that he's a bad player. I just it's not his game. His game is being that kind of shutdown, that prototypical shutdown center, kind of like from the early 2000s. And this Jets team needs to make the moves, right? Like we we looking at the Rangers, they got a guy like Tarasenko. All the rumors right now are pointing to Patrick Kane going there. Going before those trades were made, I don't think there's a lot of people that would have picked the Rangers to make it out of the East. They make those trades, and I think there's a lot more people that are going to think that the Rangers are going to be one of the top teams coming out They're of the East. They're a lot closer, right? They're a lot closer now. And I, I see this opinion from a lot of people on Twitter just about the Jets that this team isn't ready to compete. But in my opinion, it's like, if not now, when? When are we going to – like? because if things don't go right this offseason or this playoff season, then the, the offseason coming up is going to be very interesting. You're going to see a lot of pieces moved out. And all of a sudden, this team next year might not be – it might be further away from a cup than this team right now. So I think do, making the moves to, to just enhance this team's roster can really – and the West is super weak this year. Like, there's not, there's not a lot of really good teams out in the West, and I think that you can really put yourself ahead of a lot of these teams by making just two moves even. Like, I, like I don't think the Jets are that far off. I think making two moves where you add – some decent level impact players can really help this team, but well, and we got a week still, so we'll see, but you know, guys are starting to go. We saw the Bruins get Dimitri Orlov. That would have been a guy I'd love, I'd love for the Jets to go after too. I mean, he, he brings just a nice, he's an underrated defenseman in my opinion around the league. And I think that he would have been a nice kind of plan B instead of a guy like Chikrin, but he's gone. So now the, the names are dropping down, but we'll see. Maybe Chevy's got an ace up his sleeve. Maybe he's playing the cards. Cool. But, I don't, it, it'll be interesting to see because I think that this team is just kind of wasting a potentially really special year. Well, let's get to the deadline talk here because like you said, a few, well, one move definitely made, one move that is pretty much all but made right now. So some more, more giant trades going around the rest of the NHL and more interesting rumors that we got to get to here. And that's where we'll go to in the second half of the episode. But before we do that, let's give a quick shout out to our friends over at DraftKings Sportsbook. Plenty to bet on in the end of Feb, early March, rest of the year. It really doesn't end. And on top of that, whatever sport you want to bet on, hockey, golf, basketball, baseball in a month or so, DraftKings is giving new customers a risk-free bet of up to $1,000. You could throw down on all the major action as well with same-game parlays. Spreads, money lines, your betting options do feel endless thanks to our friends 
over at DK, just checking the NHL sked for Friday night. Hmm, Maple Leafs hosting the Minnesota Wild. Anything stepping out to you there, Tyson? Also, oh, this is a big one. Florida hosting Buffalo. The wild card race out east is pretty juicy right now. I, I, I might have to, I might have to roll with the Sabers there. Maybe Tage Thompson over one and a half goals in that one. Anything jumping out to you quickly? Yeah, the uh, Buffalo game looks good. I mean, you said Tage Thompson; he's already got a hat trick tonight, and they're up five one, five four against the Lightning uh, halfway through the third. So, I mean, maybe they keep that momentum rolling if they can pull it out. But I'm gonna five, go. Four, yeah. I'm gonna go with. Uh, uh, a game that probably not too many people are going to watch, and I think that Montreal is going to come out against Philly tomorrow. And then those odds are looking even. They look. I think Montreal is going to capitalize on a Flyers team that seems to be kind of dwindling right now. We can only hope so, as Flyers fans, that it goes that way. There's a couple of bets for you guys to take advantage of if you want to hit it a big heading into the month of March. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN. Make your first deposit and get a risk-free bet up to $1,000. That's promo code THPN. Only a DraftKings Sportsbook. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for more details. So, yes, some big moves made Thursday night. Now, Patrick Kane isn't officially off to the Rangers, but that one seemingly all but done i mean it's it's gonna happen i would imagine sometime before the weekend comes to a close there so the worst kept secret in all of hockey finally happens maybe a year late but it finally happens kane going to the rangers there but even bigger than that tice oh boy do the rich get richer the boston bruins in one fell swoop improve both their forward and defense core getting not Vladislav Gavrikov from Columbus, but instead the surprising selling Washington Capitals, giving up Dmitry Orlov and Garnet Hathaway for a first, second, third, and Craig Smith as well. A bunch of salary retention, yeah, 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 yeah. Picks in different years and all that, but tell you what, Orlov and Hathaway would have been a pretty sweet pickup for the Winnipeg Jets, right? Yeah, no, one hundred percent, and that solves really, a lot of issues. <laughs> it's not that crazy of a price tag either, really. Like it's it's really not. And the thing too, I like, and we had heard those rumors earlier that Gavrikov was on his way to Boston. It seemed like there was a little hitch in there, and I think that's kind of Yarmil Kekalainen trying to drill too much out of Boston there, not not taking Craig Smith on in that deal and forcing them to go elsewhere to make that move. And now you're out of your number one suitor for Gavrikov, and now. Now his value might be dwindling, and Yarmo kind of—that's the thing with Yarmo—is that he's going to try and they call him the dentist, right? He'll drill down GM to get exactly what he wants, but didn't pay off in this case. But Dimitri, what, 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 is, what is Yar? Does is Yarmo think he coaches Iceland? Like what? What's <laughs> the, the dentist? What a what a yeah. That I mean, that's a tough. It sounded like a first and a third was the ask for Gavrikov, and instead of that, the Bruins get for an extra second round pick. The better defenseman by a mile, and then a one of the most impactful fourth line forwards in the NHL, a guy that you know probably deserves to be playing a little higher up the lineup. That would have been a really sneaky good pickup for the Winnipeg Jets to get a guy like Garnet Hathaway. But I do wonder if, and I, I look, I, nobody knows what Chevy's got up his sleeve right now. But I, I wonder if it might not be in the Jets' best interest to do a move like this 
where you do the old two for one offering, right? We we make a trade with one team, but we fill two spots on the roster at the same time. I I, I wonder if ultimately that's the kind of move that we see Kevin Sheveldayoff make here. If it's anything like the Boston trade, sign me up for that because that's a hell of a move by by Don Sweeney. That's some really really good work by the Bruins, and um, yeah, I I kind of wonder. I kind of wonder if the Maple Leafs regret trading for Ryan O'Reilly where it's like, uh, maybe we should just let the Bruins win the cup this year because they're, just, they're, they're looking like a juggernaut right now. So we'll, we'll see how that plays out in the East. I mean, thankfully, from the from a Jets perspective, if they have to worry about playing the Bruins, then things are going just fine and we will worry about that when we get there. What I want to ask you is this, Tyson, just about Winnipeg and the trade deadline now that we're about seven days away. Because you and I have both been major, major pro Chikrin, basically do whatever it takes to get the D-man from Arizona here to Winnipeg. Have their struggles scoring goals and their struggles in the mid to bottom six, has that altered your thinking at all in the sense that, yes, Chikrin would be great, but maybe we need to pull those assets to fixing up this forward core first. And if we can fix up the forward group, maybe the D might be good enough and, and Connor Hellebuck as well to get us through the West. Like, has, has it changed your mind at all that uh, maybe maybe we need some major help up front before we talk about the back end? Yeah, it has a little bit. But in my opinion, like for my ideal trade deadline, it would have been adding Chikrin and then also adding a not a – Timo Meyer per se, but a nice solid guy who can fill in on the third line can maybe jump up into the top six. I think making those two moves would be like that's my ideal moves for the Jets this deadline. But yeah, like these past couple of weeks, like, and not even just this past road stretch, like going back a long time now for the Jets, like even dating back to that stinker against Buffalo, it's been they have there hasn't been many very many goals. I think the highest scoring game that they've had was four goals against Chicago in that time frame, and that's that's Chicago, right? Like, <laughs> so it is a concern. But to me, I just think defense can win you championships. And if you get Jacob Chickren back there helping out on the back end, just with Connor Hellebuck and having a strong decor, I think that this top six of the Jets can carry them through a couple rounds in the playoffs. I still think that adding a nice guy on the third line would, would help this team, team tremendously. And I think those moves are easier to make as you get closer to the end of the deadline, right? Like as that final hour comes in, you start to see a lot of forwards go for kind of late round picks, tweener prospects. So I think that's where the Jets can kind of reach in at the end of the deadline and snag a couple impact forwards for a relatively cheap price. But if I'm sending premium assets to a team at this deadline, I'm sending them to Arizona for Chikrin. And this might be a pipe dream, but you mentioned the going to the same team for a two for one. Yes. Say it, Tyson. Say how it with about, me. How about going all in and going for Schmaltz and Chicken? That's, that's, that's our thing. <laughs> Let's go. Let's go. <laughs> I don't even know what that package would like. That that would be that would be like a swing out of your boots going for the triple decker move by Kevin Chevalier off there. If they, hey, if they could pull it off. You that would be a you make one trade and then you just kick your feet up for the rest of the deadline. I mean, you might have to do that because you don't really have too many assets left at that point. But man, oh man, would that be some impressive work, right? And and that move right there, you'd be looking at Shifley, Dubois, Schmaltz, Lowry down the middle. 
that is juicy. And yes, you'd probably like one more forward added at that point, but like that's that's pretty good work. Like that that would be I, that might be close to the dream scenario for the Jets there. Um, and and Schmaltz I think has a little more a little more um, years left, a little more term left on his deal. He's as opposed to a Timo Meyer, who's you know yes RFA, but ten million dollars. No one knows if he wants to stay, wants to go, all that stuff. So there's a little more cost certainty involved with that trade for the Jets. Yeah, sign me up for that. 100% down for that. Um, I, I would say, you know, look, I've been on the Chikrin bandwagon. I still am. The Jets are really trying my patience on that, though. <laughs> like, they're, they're, they they just, it's just that they so desperately need help in the bottom six. Like, that's the thing, too. Like, they they just, they need Kevin Day off to bring some guys in. And it can't be, no offense, you know, the Carson Kuhlmans or the, the Janssen Fialbis off waiver. Like, it's got to be legit, proven, capable second, third liners at the NHL level to come in here and give this team a bit of a boost. And I, I, I do think, too, Tyson, that, I mean, Chuck Schmaltz would really test this theory. But I do wonder if the Jets aren't maybe three moves away from being a contender team. Like, bringing in another defenseman, and then bringing two forwards to solidify that forward group. It's a, it's a little scary to, to, you know, to think about, but you, you just, you wonder if they are just two moves away or if there needs to be some, and I'm not saying, you know, two top six forwards and a number one defenseman and you just empty the coffer and, and I'm, not, I'm not saying anything like that, but I, I just, I wonder if three guys need to come in here to make this team. Okay. Now we're, now we're right up there with the best in the West, and we can get our game sorted out after this point. That's kind of where I'm at right now with with Winnipeg is that two forwards and a defenseman that equals the perfect trade deadline, or or at least somewhere close to that. Yeah, and I, and I agree with that. But I, to me, that's let's do it. That's your job as GM. As for Kevin Chevalier, I think that's what you need to do for this team. And we talk about losing a bunch of assets, bringing these guys in. If things don't go well and Dubois wants out, you're getting back a better first round pick than you were. Like, the, you're, if you make the playoffs with adding all those guys, that first round pick's going to be in the 25 to 32 range. You trade Dubois, I can almost guarantee you, you'll be getting the pick that's at least in the teens there. So to me, it's like, well, you may be moving out pieces, but at the same time, you're, if you can convince guys like Dubois that having this kind of roster and having this kind of playoff run can convince them to stay. That's a positive. If he's if his mind's really set on going, then you still have that. You can recoup some of those assets that you gave up at the deadline. And now you're kind of back at square one. So I, to me, I, it's it's a no brainer. I I think that this year is just the year that Kevin Sheveldayev has to put a stamp on this team, like we like we've seen him done before. Like he did it with Paul Stasny making that move, and yes, that was just kind of the one move and that really pushed the Jets forward. Like That's not necessarily the same team that we're talking about right now, but I think that this is it. Like, How much longer are you just going to kind of twiddle your thumbs and be like, well, we're going to build and develop, and we're going to build and develop, and well, like to me, it's just now's the time. Now's the time. Let's do this thing. Let's do this thing. That's right. Now, interestingly enough, Kevin Chevalier, if you look at his past deadline history, he and it's kind of funny how he's done this so far. His big deadline trades have all happened on deadline day, and they've all happened in the morning, 
right around like 9 30 10 a.m because it was always right when i was leaving the radio station so it was always right around 10 a.m that's when kevin shoveldale would make his big splash so might need a little more patience to get through this here but 9 10 a.m friday morning next friday morning that might be the first domino to fall and then we'll see if there's a move or two to happen after that by the way tice did you see the teams who had scouts at the Manitoba Moose Milwaukee Admirals game? I did um, not. I, 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 yeah, either Wednesday or Thursday night. I did not. There were three teams: the San Jose Sharks. I wonder if San Jose has anybody. Um, the San Jose Sharks, the Columbus Blue Jackets, and the Arizona Coyotes. Well, well, well. Very interesting. <laughs> what about Patrick Lyonet? Ba- no, I don't know if that's going to happen. <laughs> maybe maybe my Timo Meyer Eric Carlson trade dream isn't dead just yet. If if, if Chevy can find a way, <laughs> you want to talk about going <laughs> two for one, that might be the ultimate two for one special that's ever existed there. But that's just something to keep an eye on, everybody. Interesting that. You know, there's a lot of guys that go to a lot of NHL games. Though those aren't really interesting. The AHL ones, though, are very intriguing. That those specific teams are going to be out there right now. I did also see that um, Craig Morgan, who's a longtime Arizona sports reporter, longtime Coyotes reporter, um, talked about Jacob Chikrin, and they asked for him. It, it seems like it's not even as steep as it's been in the past. Sounds like at this point we're basically talking about a first round pick, a high high ish prospect, and then maybe one more piece after that. What what are we waiting on here, people? Like go out there and get it done. And interestingly enough, too, I mean the Boston Bruins are officially out of this right now, right? The Maple Leafs, I would imagine, are officially out of this. Rangers go up and down here. L.A. was close, but you wonder if a la Columbus and Boston, if something happened between L.A. and there's not really a whole lot of suitors left for the big dog out there in Arizona. So, man, it's it's going to be fun. It's going to be fun if the Jets do something good. If they don't, then this is all going to suck. But, oh, man. Yeah, yeah, you just you do get the sense something big is brewing here, and we're just a couple days away from figuring that out. You got one more quick point here before we wrap it up, Tice? I was just going to say, I feel like that L.A. chicken deal almost kind of fell apart because, I mean, this is just me speculating, but I think uh, L.A. wanted to put in Veg Melka in that mix. And I think that was kind uh, of a, and that might have been a bit of a hiccup where he, Arizona's saying, hey, we're throwing in Veg Melka. Like, we're we're going to be wanting some serious, some some more some more money coming that way. Maybe Cal Pearson was a part of that deal. Coyotes weren't a big fan of that contract. But it'll be interesting because, really, you – you go down the like you said. You go down the list. L.A. If L.A.'s out of it now, you're kind of just you're kind of battling with some teams who, like we've heard, Columbus was kind of in on Chikrin, which is kind of crazy to think about. Maybe they flip some of those Gavrikov picks for Chikrin. You think like maybe St. Louis, maybe and but even I forget who said that, but it seemed like Ottawa is also out of the mix on Chikrin now too, and they're kind of turning their attention to some other demon on the market, maybe Pareko. We I'm not sure if we talked like. Uh, well, quickly, we we should let, let's let's end it there, Tyson, because Colton Pareko is kind of, I guess, officially out there on the market. Ken Weeb, um, obviously, well connected with the Winnipeg Jets, has mentioned Colton Pareko and the Jets a few times. Yay or nay? Nay. On Colton Pareko? Nay. Like I, to me, that's. I, I think it. I think it's a major nay. I I think 
I said this on Winnipeg Sports Talk with Huss. I think Colton Pareko is way riskier to trade for than Eric Carlson. hundred percent. I just, I, yeah, I, I want, I mean, there are so many red flags all over the place here and it, it's unfortunate, but like, especially as somebody that's had back problems, a dude that's in his thirties, back problems don't get easier as and, you get to 32, 33, 34. And on top of that, when you've got year one of an eight year extension that you're going through right now, and the team that signed that immediately is looking to move you. I don't want any part of that when the team immediately wants to ditch and they're not even 15% through the contract that they just signed. Yeah, and I, and I think that's a lot of people's... It's a, the, the idea of Colton Pareko, and it's not yeah. actually what Colton Pareko is right now because I, and the St. Louis Blues are kind of a team that's a little bit tougher to watch for people who are Winnipeg if you don't have the NHL package. But I maybe take a take a peek at some St. Louis Blues games with Colton Pareko in, and then get back to us if you want Colton. He's done. Yeah, he's, it's, it's, un, it's unfortunate. He's not. He's not the utter beast that he was when they won the cup. Um, it's it, it not worth the cap hit, let alone the the amount of of term that's left on that one. So hopefully, in our opinion, the Winnipeg Jets stay far away from that, and hopefully, there's a different big name or two that's coming to Winnipeg in just under a week's time. But we will talk about that in a later episode. It's going to be a big week upcoming here for the Winnipeg Jets and for skates and plates as well. But thank you guys for tuning in once again to another episode right here on the Hockey Podcast Network. We'll get back at it next week, Tuesday morning, and some very juicy matchups for the Winnipeg Jets, beginning with a Friday night showdown against the defending champs. Talk about figuring out where you stand, a litmus test for the team. We'll see if the Jets can bounce back at home against Colorado. Then they've got a Sunday rematch afternoon game against the New York Islanders before they host the LA Kings on Tuesday night. So we'll break all that down. Plenty of trade talk as well Tuesday. And then we will get at it in a big, big way at the end of next week with a official trade deadline preview and then trade deadline recap show as well. Until then, though, thanks once again for listening. I'm your host, Brandon Rewicki, CJOB's Tyson Rewicki, joining us once again. We'll talk to you guys on Tuesday morning. Until then, enjoy your weekend. Have a great time and stay safe, everybody. Peace.